back in Dean's number two. <laughs> Not that anybody has any choice about the matter. So what are we doing today? So much the same as last time. <laughs> We're meeting so some interview, Yeah, and, and I think in our heads we've kind of split it with um, someone who's got something going on, like a project or a parish or a place where there's stuff happening, um, and then a person, and it might be a person that's doing a certain role in the diocese or someone that we think it would be good for people to know about and what they do. Um, and then the kind of longer thing at the end, which is more of a kind of thematic link. Yeah. So in the first four of our pilot series, in yeah. the pilot series there's talking about the environment so that's where the focus of the environment will be yeah. towards the end of the podcast and in this episode we've got the first of two that look at some of the things we're doing as a diocese uh, yeah. together so we're meeting ian bishop and we've also got the very first interview i did for these podcasts and i listen back to it now and think oh no I spoke so quickly <laughs> you, you did speak very very fast yeah <laughs> but, uh, we're, we're, we're living and learning and as we said before this is a podcast primarily for the diocese of chester yeah. and it's really inviting people just to eavesdrop drop on some of the conversations we get to hear and not really because we think we're interesting but because we get to hear all sorts of amazing things that people are doing and even more importantly that God's doing around the place. Um, some people ask me how I can have faith being a bishop and I look at the stuff that I see God doing and say how could I not have faith it's just amazing to see and it's the way God cares about the tiny details Mm -hmm. I think of people's lives and just makes a difference that really blows me away yeah absolutely and it's it's yeah the stories that come back from the road which are the most encouraging always so it's kind of what makes you realize that the the job's worth doing (laughs) not that it's not the rest of the time but yeah Yeah, that's right and actually we're going to start in just a moment with uh, an interview at st mark's new ferry Mm -hmm. and i just got my phone out and and asked you know what's going on so should we dive in and just listen to that So I'm here with Andy Greenhoff at St Mark's New Ferry. It's been really good to be with you this morning. Why is it called New Ferry? Uh, because in 19... Uh, there was a new ferry. Oh, across uh, the Mersey. Yeah, across the Mersey. But in 1922, a cargo ship went through it and it was never rebuilt, 1922. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yeah. so how long have you been vicar here? Uh, 17 and a half years. That's brilliant. Yeah. And your favourite yeah. fun fact about the parish? Uh, 1922, the same year that the cargo ship went through the ferry, uh-huh. was also the year that Mr Cundy came as the vicar. Uh-huh. And Mr Cundy came and within a few weeks the ornate cross and candlesticks and all the silverware just mysteriously disappeared <laughs> and has never been seen since. But apparently he swore on oath that it was still somewhere on the premises. Oh, there you go, treasure and, to hunt. Well, then. there is. And uh, subsequent generations of church wardens have searched high and low and not found it. Oh, well, uh, but if go. you see something on eBay, you know I found it. <laughs> or if I see you in a Bentley, we'll know why. Well, right, yeah. <laughs> so tell me one thing that's encouraging you at the moment. Uh, we, we've recently seen growth in the number of young families, mm-hmm. which is just fantastic. You saw the children running around this mm-hmm. morning, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really good to see a new generation being reached mm-hmm. with the gospel. Brilliant. So, yeah, yeah. So, Andy, when we're praying for you, tell us one thing we should be praying. Yeah, great. Um, one thing. Well, we've got a new curate coming in July, mm-hmm. so that, that would be an extra thing. But the one thing is that we've had this big explosion six years ago, mm-hmm. 2017, in uh, the, in the town. The community, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. three, four hundred yards away from here. Yeah, yeah. It was enormous, massive devastation to the place. We're hoping that May, June, spades will go in the ground with the refurbishment and the, the kind of rejuvenation of the, the town. Yeah. We're praying alongside that that would be a rejuvenation of uh, spiritual life as well. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's brilliant. Andy, it's been great to be with you this morning and we are praying for you. Thank you very much. Do you know, I love listening to that. 
that back. It just takes me back. That's the great thing about doing these interviews. It takes me right back to being there. And particularly the way that St. Mark's is, is kind of rooted in the middle of a community that's changed over the years, very across the Mersey, um, with that massive explosion site just down the road. And our churches are just stuck right into the middle of their communities. Yeah, absolutely. And you realise, yeah, um, one of the things that struck me recently is that um, when you hear kind of local news stories, I can now picture them because I know the parish that it's based in. And you, one of the amazing things about you know, working where we do is that you realise there are so many links to local communities and, and nothing goes on <laughs> in Chester Diocese without there being a church nearby and um, somebody on hand to be able to step into you know, the tragedies that are going on. Yeah. Mm. And and the celebrations. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. And, and, it, and the different styles of church. And we have all sorts mm. of different styles of church. And yet each one is there yeah. uh, serving its local setting, being available, yeah. explaining the good news, Jesus making a difference in, in real lives. It's really encouraging and exciting. Absolutely. 1922 was quite the year, wasn't it? It really it's was. all happening. Goodness yeah. me. I think we need to have a Splinter Sister podcast, which becomes the true crime podcast, where we track down Mr. Oh, Cutley's stolen yes. things. <laughs> Sounds excellent. There's yeah. a story there. It is one of the more surreal things about being a bishop, is all the kind of <laughs> paraphernalia of church that you end up coming in and out of the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. It's good. Now then, one of the things we're doing in this episode of the podcast is beginning to uh, just think about some of the slightly surreal parts of um, of the Diocese mm-hmm. of Chester. Um, I, I think, uh, am I right in describing it as pure delight when you discovered the joy of Diocese and Sinai? <laughs> Yeah, that's something along those lines, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've been to two now, have I? I think you've been to two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you were summarising what Darson Synod is for you, where would you say? Goodness me, yeah. It's one of those things that, having attended an Anglican church for many, many years, I confess to have been incredibly ignorant of the kind of wider working of it. So it's really nice to see that there are these forums where people come together from across the diocese and um, bring disagreement and agreement and... Uh, bring different views from many different parishes and yeah just get together and kind of yeah have these discussions and conversations and make decisions and my heart for diocesan synod for deanery synods and for pccs Mm. is that they're a place that pray together and discern the will of god Mm -hmm. um, as as we gather together but last time we were gathering not but because it's different last time we were gathering um i i I sent you off with the microphone to talk to two interesting people who we're hearing from today this is julie so julie is now i need to get this right continuing the theme of not being able to introduce our guests correctly Julie is the Darsison Chair of Clergy. No, she's not. She's the Chair of Clergy. Oh, my word. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And yeah, on tenterhooks to meet the Chair of Clergy in in following episodes. Yeah, she's the House of Laity Chair, um, which she will tell us all about. Um, Another one of those roles where actually you may have heard of it or you may not have done at all. But it's, yeah, good to know that people are out there. Well, let's hear from her now. I'm here with Julie. <laughs> Julie, you are, because I've just got this wrong, the diocesan lay chair, is that right? Correct, yes. <laughs> Tell me what on earth that is. Um, well, it is an elected person um, who then is chair of the body that is the House of Laity mm-hmm. for Diocese and Synod. Mm-hmm. Um, quite all that that entails, I haven't found out yet. <laughs> so how long have you been doing it? Uh, that's a good question. Um, about probably getting on towards 18 months now I think okay, brilliant yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but because Diocese and Synod doesn't meet so often mm-hmm. um, I'm still learning 
as I go, all about the role. Yeah. So. And before you were diocesan lay chair, were you a deanery lay chair? As uh, I just accused you of being. <laughs> I, I was a deanery lay chair until Brilliant. quite recently. Yeah. Um, which is um, uh, again a, a lay leadership role. Mm-hmm. Um, this time for deanery synods. Yeah. And. Um, the deanery synods are the people who elect diocesan synod reps mm-hmm. and also uh, general synod reps. Yeah. So, um, and the deanery is a great point of communication, mm-hmm. uh, sort of up and down, if you like, if you can, if you can think hierarchically, but yeah. not probably not meant to. But um, so, from parishes to deanery to diocese, and from diocese to deanery to parishes, yeah. uh, as a channel of communication. Yeah, fantastic. And what is the best thing about your role? The best thing about this role now is um, meeting. Uh, members of the house of laity mm-hmm. and um, finding out what's going on in the parishes and the deaneries and um, uh, I guess it's representing it's, their voice isn't it? It's, yes it is um, and I like to think that I'm open to listen to everybody mm-hmm. and uh, if I can help put forward ideas into any helpful directions I'll do my best Brilliant, so. amazing and if we're praying, what can we be praying for you in this role? Uh, guidance and discernment uh, and uh, sustaining I think (laughs) lovely to meet you thank you so much so many times you can get it wrong eh we're not very good at remembering the titles (laughs) terrible absolutely terrible before we go any further um, where does the word lay come from Ah, well, this is one of the confusing things, actually. There are two confusing words there, but laos, uh, as a, I think it's a Greek word, it means the whole people of God. So we do use it wrongly, because all of us are lay people, but we tend to mean non-ordained people when, yeah. we, when we say it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, excellent. But the other interesting word is synod. Yes, I, it is. I love that word. I have a friend who was asking me what I was doing the other week, and I said, oh, I'm actually a Darcy's Synod. And he asked me a couple of weeks later, I think you're going to the synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, but halfway there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and again, that wrong. comes from Greek, mm. and it's from two words, syn, which means together, S-Y-N, not yeah. S-I-N. Synergy. It's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then odos, which means road or way. So it's travelling together. It's, it's on the road together. Lovely. And I, I love Poetry. that sense. Well, it really is, but it, isn't it a profound thing about the fact that we uh, journey into new spaces with mm-hmm. God, that the good news doesn't change, but is always relevant. Yeah. And, and that sense of the synod being gathered around the good news of Jesus is yeah. just... Is but I'm also so, on a journey, so not kind of stagnant yeah. or yeah, yeah. still. That's great. And one of the most important things, this goes right the way back to the foundation of the Church of England, mm-hmm. is that lay people have a voice. Yeah. Um, that you don't have to be ordained in order to have a voice or a leadership role in the, in the church which is really important, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's Julie's job to capture it, (laughs) not single-handedly. But yeah, no, it's great to have her there. And um, when we do meet as Darcyson Synod, uh, you sit at the front on the panel, but you are kind of flanked by your chair of House of Clergy and Laity, so it's very much kind of a representative role, isn't it? That's the idea. So so I'm the president as the bishop, and and I'm one of... Thank you very much. I should have a badge, shouldn't I? (laughs) Actually, maybe right at the moment, I shouldn't have a badge. Um, But I'm one of three chairs. Uh, So Simon Drew, who we'll meet in a later episode, uh, Julie and myself, we chair it. And at the last synod, I chaired almost none of it because I had to speak to a number of the yeah, conference. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah. 
Now, in this episode, we're um, we're going to meet Ian Bishop, yeah. um, who's who's one of the two archdeacons, and we might talk in another episode about what archdeacons do, <laughs> um, but is involved in the kind of diocesan work. And again, we caught up with him uh, the other day to have a long conversation. Didn't we, we did. It was great. Yeah. No, Ian is fabulous. Um, I think we managed to mis- mis- introduce him as well, don't we? <laughs> we did. There's something of a theme going on here. But shall we hear from him? Let's. Great. So we're back. We're talking about the environment with the man who knows it all. He doesn't know nothing. <laughs> Ian, Ian Bishop, Archdeacon of Macclesfield, tell us why we've drawn you into this conversation. Well, it's a good question. Why have you drawn me into this, <laughs> into this conversation? Um, I, I feel completely inadequate in dealing with anything to do with the environment. I have no qualifications. I have uh, no particular experience that's relevant to this. Don't you think that's but, part of the problem, though, with the environment? Is we all feel a bit like... Well, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think what it needs more than anything is a passion, and I do offer that. Yeah, yeah no, that's absolutely right. And then that's what all of us, I think, bring, isn't it? We, we really feel completely unqualified to have the conversations, to know really what we're talking about, yeah. to know how best to do anything, and yet feel that it's something really, really important that we all need to be getting on board with, and therefore, you know, the passion is all we can really ask. I think yeah yeah it's it's that need to be involved in finding the solution in being mm. the solution to yeah. the problem I think yeah. is is what we need from everybody yeah. Yeah. but let's start there so you chair the environment forum and you say the solution to the problem and I think we all know what we're talking about but what do you see as the problem of the environment if you like that we're okay. trying to address just 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 to take you back I don't chair the environment I beg your forum pardon, right? no no I leave that to Mike Loach and Joe Kennedy who are yeah. doing a fine job in the diocese with that. Thank you. My apologies to Mike and to Joe. No, I don't mean to... <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. But I've, I've sort of got involved with it um, largely around the area of um, net zero and mm. the Church of England's challenge to mm. the Church of England to uh, reach net zero by 2030 mm. because uh, it became quite clear that the Environment Forum probably wasn't the best place to drive that particular issue forward. Mm. So uh, when... General Synod came up with the route map to net zero 2030. We needed to adapt that document for our own purposes locally. Mm-hmm. And so it just seemed easier for one person to sort of take that on, yeah. take advice, get it written, get it done, get the environment policy mm-hmm. done, which I'm very grateful actually to members of the Environment Forum for helping helping get that done. Mm-hmm. So we're gradually sort of ticking all those yeah. boxes and then alongside that is the whole eco diocese mm-hmm. uh, project as well which is sort of on the back burner trying to get that one uh, moving on uh, and, I, and I've just sort of got involved and yeah yeah no, is the eco diocese part of the eco church wars with the Russia same 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 scheme mm-hmm. uh, and we're encouraging all churches in the diocese to take part in the eco church scheme yeah. uh, and we're very it's great we've got we lots of good news there lots of new churches being signed up for uh, eco church mm-hmm. uh, several of them have got their bronze award a few have got their silver award and I think one, one, one yes. Bevington, the first. Well done, Many. Mike and the team up there. They they've got their gold. Yeah. Can we just look in the eye? The, the accusation of wokeism, which I feel like I get all the time. So people say, "Oh, the church of England is so woke, doing this, that, and the other." It's the greatest uh, compliment. Well, I take it as such, actually. <laughs> but but if people say, "Look, the environmental stuff is just about kind of being trendy, getting on a bandwagon, and what have you," and um, I know why I believe it, but why do you believe that actually it's so important to the good news of Jesus? Has nobody watched David Attenborough? On the, on the, <laughs> I mean. 
I don't think you have to be an expert or a genius to realise there is a crisis going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at the statistics in terms of uh, climate change, changing weather patterns, mm. biodiversity collapse. Mm-hmm. Of, this is not something that is about being woke or being left-wing or anything like that this is actually a concern for everyone whoever you are whatever your political beliefs whatever your cultural or religious beliefs everybody's got to be involved with this i so wish people could see your face what you're saying but i completely agree with you you know but what's distinctive about a christian approach i mean obviously a whole load is similar so cutting down on plastic you deal with you're a christian or a non-christian but why as a diocese do you think it's so important in following christ we also care for the environment well, I, th- I think it starts with scripture, yeah. um, and uh, we are given the, this this incredible gift of creation, mm-hmm. and I think we do need to see it as gift, uh, because actually, when you get given a gift by somebody who loves you, mm-hmm. you look after it, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we have been quite clearly guilty of failing to look after the gift, yeah. and it's it is that precious gift that God has given to us. I, I, I love Ruth Valerio's stuff, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, who works for Tear Fund and all the work that she's done around the environment. And she focuses a lot on the idea of, uh, of gift. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if, if we actually really did see everything that we have as God's gift, mm-hmm. I think we'd probably look after it differently. Mm-hmm. But we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people... There are a few people out there who still look upon the, the, the story of Genesis and God telling us to go out and subdue the earth as in some way giving us license to um, manipulate the earth to our own ends. And I just don't see it that way. That's not, not my reading of Genesis at all. Mm. I think it's, it, there is something very precious that's been given. Mm. And unless we look after it, mm. uh, I think we need to call it a sin yeah. because that's what it is. Yeah and yeah. therefore let's put it right yeah. and most people listening to this will completely agree with us but be saying yes but what can I do so I've got two questions really and um, where can people find out more about what we're doing as a diocese and join in and then secondly how do you think we should be praying and Rachel's probably got some questions oh so many questions but those two are good we'll start yeah, there <laughs> where do we find out well I, I mean the truth is there's there's uh, there's so much information out there. It's mm. actually there's actually almost too much. Information. Yeah, but I mean about the diocese. So about, yeah. yeah. Well, if you go to the diocesan website, there are uh, a few guidelines there. Uh, it would be great. We'd love to have more people on the environment forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who w- who have a passion, and if anybody's interested in joining in, then they can get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. I can make sure they go in the right look in the right direction. Uh, I would actually, rather than point them to the diocesan website, I'd, I'd send them to the Church of England website yeah. uh, because the uh, the environment pages on the Church of England website are really comprehensive, mm-hmm. really terrific. So if you want to know how to, to get your church to net zero carbon, mm-hmm. there's a, an, an enormous amount of information out there on how you do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's all good stuff. It's not difficult. Uh, it will make a few changes and it does mean to say people have got to start to look ahead about how they're going to change their boiler mm-hmm. on the in their church where when that goes wrong because they won't be allowed very soon mm-hmm. to replace 
an oil-fired heating system with a new oil-fired heating system. And after 2028, I think it is, you won't be able to uh, change a, uh, a gas-fired system. So people do need to be thinking, how are we going to do that sort of thing? Those are, they, that, those are the conversations that they should be having in their PCC. I would also say, if they can measure their carbon footprint, mm -hmm. that would be a really helpful thing to do. Uh, if you go, if you can uh, give the, uh, calculate your, your, your uh, carbon footprint, which, and there's a tool to do that mm -hmm. on the Church of England website, and then submit the results mm -hmm. to the Church of England, we can then measure what our overall carbon footprint yeah. is. We'll know where we are and where we've got to get to. Yeah. And we can measure how we're doing year on year to get better. Brilliant. And that kind of exercise is really valuable, isn't it? Because I think it helps us individually see our impact. So being able to do your carbon footprint, or even as, you know, as a church, actually seeing there is a distance we have to go there is a difference we can make and, and being able to measure that so that the church in England can do it overall but also as a church in five years time you can look back and say this is the difference we've made that yeah. is just yeah such a valuable thing to do and, and it's a double whammy yeah. not only do we measure all of that mm -hmm. but it, inevitably it makes you much more energy conscious yeah. and so you change the bulbs to LEDs yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you cut your, your, your energy usage you yeah. seal up the insulation yeah. uh, you, you insulate your, your building better mm -hmm. yeah. you seal up all the gaps under the doors and all of those sorts of things and hey presto you find you've actually saved yourself some money yeah. so you know it's, it, it's good Ian, I could talk to you all day. I know that we could, but time, unfortunately, is running out. But thanks so much for all that you're doing. Uh, do pass, pass our thanks on to the Environment Forum. And I think we're just saying, by a kind of result of this conversation, get involved and do the little things, because all the little things add up uh, yep. to doing both things as well. Absolutely. Little things add up. So thank you. He's not alone in feeling unqualified, is he? No, and I think that's true for all of us, isn't yeah. it? That, that we, we look at the size of the challenge and say, how do we get to net zero? Yeah. Uh, but the passion that we need to have in order to get there, mm -hmm. I think so often we see in the face of our children and young people. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we, we absolutely need to use the agency and influence we've got mm -hmm. to, to get there, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny, talking about Synod earlier, yeah. uh, two Synods ago, we had the most amazing a teenager who came from one of our church schools and it was just humbling to yeah. hear the way that she spoke around the environment and the, the challenge that we need to meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was absolutely brilliant. You brought up the controversial phrase wokeism. Indeed and, and it is hard isn't it because still this idea persists that this mm. is around some kind of I don't know political correctness or just getting on board mm. uh, you know with a, with a popular idea as if we're trying to win friends and influence people. Yeah. And everything in me just wants to say, no, this is so vital. Yeah. And if it's vital for people who have no understanding of, of the world being created and given as gift by God, how much more vital is it for us who have a sense of being stewards for yeah, God absolutely. and wanting to pass it on to the next generations? I mean, this is just yeah, really important. Absolutely. An eternal responsibility. Yeah, yeah. no, I've, I've often said, you know, we, we have lots of people who we know are huge kind of pioneers for wanting to make a difference with respect to protecting the planet and the world we've been given and David Attenborough is one of them and there are many others uh, but as far as I'm aware none of them are Christians mm -hmm. and that's devastating we have yes. so much more invested in our responsibility to make a difference and so in my mind you know Christians should be on the forefront of saying you know let's make us change it's something that we can all rally behind mm -hmm. 
Um, so, yeah. And we have these five marks of mission. So in the last episode, we talked about the Anglican here. Communion. I'm going to tell you okay. that. Yes. So the Anglican Communion has five marks of, of mission, how we're supposed to share the love of God. Mm. And one of them is telling people about the good news. Another is helping people to become mature disciples. Another is actually confronting injustice in society. And we'll come back to all of these in Workism. future things. Well, yeah, but that, that's the point. It's not workism, is it? And, and a, a fourth is standing alongside people who are in really difficult circumstances. But the fifth mark... And, and for me, it stands out at the end is caring for the environment, caring for the planet, uh, because it is our shared inheritance, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Have there always been five? That, well, as far as I know, there have always been five ever okay. since I've known about them, and that's several hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> no. say, it, it strikes me as one of those things that four of them could have been around for a long time, and then mm-hmm. as we begin to wake up to the impact that we're having and the need to change, they might have added the fifth. No, it's, I think it's very far-sighted. But again, it becomes uh, clear as you look from other, other uh, continents and countries yeah. w- where the impact of climate change is, is really devastating. Yeah, and it, we were commenting in the last episode, it's odd to get hail in March, maybe. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's much more significant if your whole island is disappearing in the Solomon Islands, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. Now, time is going to defeat us again. Once These things again, whip past, don't we? But um, tell us your one takeaway from this, Rachel. Hey, um... Yeah, I, I, it's not about Ian's chat, although that was brilliant and it's lovely to speak to him. Uh, there's always going to be that sense of just kind of trying to fight between feeling completely overwhelmed at the task that's ahead of us with the environment and knowing that every small difference is a difference and therefore we've just got to keep pl- plowing on. So that's my t- takeaway from Ian's bit. Um, but just, yeah, learning and hearing from people from across the diocese in different roles and the testament that is to kind of the faithfulness of the individuals just getting on and, and doing something that they feel called to and uh, that makes a big difference to a lot of people, but we might not necessarily hear about it. So hearing from Andy and hearing from Julie, um, mm. that's why we're doing this. So It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I yours? Think, I think for me, it's... Um, it's the repeated metaphor of the journey, so from Synod, the road together. Yeah. Um, you said when we were talking to Ian about this being a long journey. Mm. And one of the things I often say in terms of offering leadership in a complex organisation like, like a Church of England diocese mm. is that the, the, the trick, if you like, is to make sure that, that all our little steps point in the same direction because then we will journey. And we might go slowly, we might go quickly, but it's surprising how far you get if you just keep stepping in the same direction. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I am finding myself... Uh, overwhelmed again by this challenge to get to net zero which is vital and we absolutely must do it or or, or we will destroy the planet Uh, but there are very unlikely to be very many major major steps that we can take Mm -hmm. but actually the small steps in the same direction you might think what difference does it make if I change one light bulb well a tiny difference but if it's in the right direction it adds to all the other ones we do And and the fact that's our Christian responsibility and therefore God's with us in it so I think that's where I leave at the end of this. Fabulous. It's a good and place a, to stop. Another glimpse of grace. <laughs>